number seven. Begin verse number three. Let me make mention of something. Ladies, This the cry room over here, we had the windows tinted this week, and so those on the outside get to see their self. You can see on the inside out, but they can't see from the outside in. And so you uh, to give a little more security there for you and privacy and taking care of your babies, okay? Uh, let me also make mention, uh, if you use the nursery, <coughs> what we have done, we washed all the toys if you go use the nursery, if one of your children play with a toy, we have a box to put those so we can clean them. We're cleaning all the toys that are played with in a service, and every service we're doing that. And uh, the way we can do that, you, they take it out of one box, play with it, and there's a sign on the box, please put it back in that box. And then that way we can keep your, the toys uh, more sanitized that way. All right, we you know, uh, we tend to the wind and the door to the nursery as well. And so for the ladies that uh, need to take care of their babies, that'll give them more privacy for that. Second Kings chapter seven verse number three. And there were four leprous men at the inner end of the gate. And they said one to another, here's our title and a thought we want to make for the message today. You got your Bible there? Let's read it together. Why sit we here until we die? What a question. Why sit we here until we die. If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city. We shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore come and let us fall to the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And then when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there for the Lord. See verse 6. For the Lord had made the host of Syrians hear a noise of chariots and noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight, left their tents and their horses and their asses and their camp as it was, and fled for their life. Wow. God said, boom! And they all run. All he did was brought a noise. Not just a noise. Wow. 
What a God we serve. What a God we serve. And when these lepers came to the innermost part of the camp, they went into one tent, did eat and drink, and carried in silver and gold and raiment, and went and hid it. Came again, entered to another tent, and carried also, and went and hid it. And they said one to another, We do not wail. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tarry until the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household. Why said we here until we die? Let's pray again. That's Lord to help us. Michael Thomas leads to the throne of grace. Amen. You'll be seated. The fierce army of the Syrians had come down, laid a siege to the land of Israel, particularly the section called Samaria. The people were in a walled-up city. There would be no water to drink, no food to eat. And people literally were killing one another for even a drop of water and a few crumbs of bread. Outside of this poverty and this hunger and destitution, the Syrian army was encamped. But I want you to see today, here's the truth that I want you to see. In the midst of all the prosperity the Syrians had and the impoverished Samaritans how God took it from the one side and brought it to the other side. What I want you to see and oh Lord God we need to see this more today than we've ever had. We need to see God Period. We've seen your opinion. We've seen what you think. We've seen how what we react to things. What about God? We need to see God in our day we're living as never before. And this story puts him on display in a most unusual way. I like this. He doesn't work the way you and I think he ought to. He doesn't work he, he doesn't work to our plan or our thinking. I think he should sometimes. I would love sometimes for him just right across the sky, preacher Jerry, I want you to do this, 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 but he just doesn't. But I want you to know he's always working. We see first of all in our text the misery of the Lamb. Ben-Hadad was king of Syria, and he wanted to capture Samaria. And his intention was not to fire a bomb or, or to, to knock down the walls or battering rams or, or arrows or spears or, 
or anything like that. He took the massive Syrian army, and it was massive, and literally set up camp and was intending to starve them to death. Literally, he was going to stop the food, the water, to where there would be nothing come into the city. And his intent was truly said this. He wanted them to stay within that walled city until they all fell over dead from starvation. I'm beginning to wonder if our nation would just not be pleased if every church in the United States would just die. I'm beginning to wonder if they could, they would just soon God to die. And if that's not enough, I'm beginning to wonder if they would just not be content if every Christian would just die. And so we find here he wanted to starve the people. Those that didn't starve to death would readily surrender. I mean, just give up. It has been said that a third of our churches, a third of the people would never set foot in church again. They just give up. Just surrender. And so the Bible says, say in Kings 6.25, and there was a great famine in Samaria, Behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for four score pieces of silver and a fourth part of a cap of doves dung for pieces of silver. Leviticus chapter 11 and verse 4, the donkey was not to be eaten. It was an unclean beast. But here, they had gotten so hard and challenging. They were eating every part of a donkey to survive. And as a matter of fact, donkey's head would go for 80 pieces of silver. And a cab or a cup of dove's dung, five pieces of silver. Josephus, a Jewish historian, says, it's better to understand this term literally that's what it was. If you're not sure, you come to see me after service. And I'll tell you what it was. But what's unimaginable to me is the next verse. Second Kings chapter 6, 29. So we boiled my son and did eat him. And I said unto her the next day, Give thy son that we may eat him, and she hath killed her son. No remorse, no brokenness. Starvation had gotten to the place that two ladies had gotten together. And they decided they would boil their children and eat them. Can you imagine? So one day they boiled the son of a child, 
and they both ate him. And the next day she said, well, it's time for your child. And she said, she's hit him. She's complaining. Her cry is this. She's hit her son. Make her hand him over. Wow. And so, starvation was beyond imagination. Folks, we don't know what it means to be starving. Our complaint is we don't have what we want. Not that we don't have something to eat. And reality was, we don't know how long it took to get here, but it got here. They were starving to death. They were under sentence of condemnation and death. As a matter of fact, God draws our attention to four leprous men. They were dying too. They were in the same place. And all through the Bible, you'll find humanity's under the sentence of death. Please don't miss this. We all gonna die. And we all We all gonna live somewhere forever. But we're all gonna die. It's a point that the men wants to die and then the judgment. And we're all gonna live somewhere forever. And these four leprous men, Bible says in Genesis 2. 17, by the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat it, for in the day thou shalt eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. I read that, and for the first time it dawned on me, God's talking to Adam and Eve and saying, you partake of that tree, you're going to die. And, and, and I got wondering in my mind if they didn't say, what's death? They'd never known what death was. Nothing had never died. It dawned on me, nothing had ever died. So they had no idea, but God said, you partake of this, you're going to surely die. But they had no idea, they had no idea, because nothing had ever died. It didn't, it didn't uh, uh, relegate their responsibility, but they, 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 nothing had ever died. And so the Bible says, for well, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we see the misery of the land. It was tremendous. I don't, I don't know that we can fully comprehend the misery of that day inside that city and how horrendous that it was. It was beyond imagination. See, we have the story of the one woman and son, but how many others turned to cannibalism, dethroned children because of hunger? It drove to madness. But I want you to notice with me the miracle of the Lord. We see the misery of the Lamb, but I want you to see, and and this is really what I want you to see, the miracle of the Lord. Chapter 7, verse 1, we see the prediction of this miracle. Then Elisha said, Hear ye for the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Tomorrow... About this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Now, I want you to, now let me try to paint the picture. 
One day they're, they're starving to death. They're eating donkeys, buying donkeys' heads for 80 pieces of silver. And the prophet said, in one day, one day, you'll be able to buy a flour, and you'll be able to buy barley, and there'll be plenty. J. Vernon McGee says, the measure of fine flour and actually means about four pecks or a bushel, and one shekel will be worth about 65 cents. Elisha said this, Folks, I'm telling you, we're going to go from poverty to plenty in just one day. Now, you know something. Then the Lord on whose hand the king leaned after the man of God said, the king's right-hand man, if you will. Listen to what he says. He said this, Behold, if the Lord would make a windows in heaven, might this thing be. And he said, Behold, I shall see it with an eyes I shall not eat thereof. This right-hand man to the king said, that's crazy. That's just crazy. There's no way. He said, there's no way God can do this. It's just impossible. There's just no way. And we've seen the prediction of this miracle. But don't you see the prophetic confidence of Elisha in the power of God. He said this. He said, Elijah, what you said, just crazy. He said, if God was to open the heavens, this couldn't change. Our situation couldn't change. How many of you believe that God can do the impossible? How many of you believe? Can I ask you this? Can we get honest enough for you to come to God and believe for that which you've decided is impossible? Well, you just said you believe nothing's impossible. But can you bring that thing that some of you think that one person in your life is impossible to reach? There's one, you, you got one thing in your life you think it's impossible for God to touch. You got that one thing, is, it's impossible for God to help. I'm telling you, he, the right hand man says, it's impossible with God. Do you ever question the power of God? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Every time we give place to fear, we're questioning the power of God. Every time we give place to the world, we're questioning the power of God. Do you ever wonder if God will come through? I was just going to answer for all of us. Yes. Yes. Hey, won't we just take our halo off and just get real? Well, this one, won't we just get real with God and just be a, just acknowledge? Sometimes we come to the, uh, to the place that we wonder, we, I'm asking God for something now that, that I'm going to be honest, I ask Him, I believe in Him, but in the back of my mind, I want so big, so great, so I, I just wonder if He can really do it. 
I find myself just wondering if God can really do and the truth of the matter is there's nothing impossible with him our God is able his hands are not shortened that he cannot save he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think Elijah's reply Elisha's reply to this officer he said buddy God's going to let you see it but he said, God's not going to let you take a bite of it. You will not get to enjoy, you will not get to experience one spoonful of it. He said, God's going to let you see it. Now, for that prediction to come truth, Elisha just give me his death sentence. Because the only way he wouldn't experience it if he was dead. But he said, do I get to partaking none of it. We see the prediction of this miracle. But notice the performance. No sooner was the prophecy given than the Lord began to carry it out. Now I know he's going to get the kings and the dignitaries and the big honchos and the business people. He's going to get all of these ready to do it. No. He goes outside the city and finds four outcast, leprous, diseased men to carry out his work. Wow. I, I said, he stopped by and say, Hallelujah. He don't hunt anybody but four diseased, crippled, outcast, filthy, dirty, leprous, diseased men to carry out a divine, the holy work. You reckon God could use me and you? You reckon God can use us? He comes to these four lepers men. And it's amazing. And there were four lepers men at the end of the gate, and they said one to another, and they asked a powerful question. Why sit we here till we die? Now, I'm honest with you. The Syrians... In our world we live in, are content if you'll just die where you're sitting. Just die. We've been wanting to shut you up for a long time. Just die. Just sit there. Don't move. You make your you lay your fear bring you to a place and you just sit. They said, why sit we here until we die? Now here's the reasoning. If we go into the city, we're going to die because they're starving to death. Can I help you? There's not much help 
lot of times in people that you're looking for help. One of the greatest truths that when you start looking around for people to help you, sometimes it's hard to find people that will help you. They said, we're going to go in and they're in the same place we are. They're dying too. The famine's going to kill them, so if we go there, we're going to die. May I say, there's some people you join up with, you're going to die. <laughs> They're going to kill you. He said, if we sit here, we're definitely going to die. So they said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go into the enemy's territory. And we're going to tell them. We're going to plead for mercy. And if they're merciful, and let's live, we're good. But if we die, we're going to die anyway. May I say this, church? As we move forward, we keep sitting here, we're going to die. We're going to die. Now we move forward, there might be folks get sick, and I don't want anybody getting sick. But I'm praying God is merciful. And we don't. But I know we said here we're going to die. And the reality was, I said, if we sit here, we're just going to die. So sundown, they came in the twilight of the evening. These four lepers began to drag their crippled limbs toward the camp. And as the sun said, I can just imagine. Now, don't you listen to me. Don't you listen to me well. They had no idea what was going on in the camp. God didn't tell them a thing. But obedience is getting up and dragging their carcass to the camp. God didn't do that for them. They had to make a decision to move toward the camp. Now, do you reckon, I'm going to ask you a question. Look at me now. Do you reckon they were scared? I think it was terrified. Do you reckon they were fearful? I think they was. But you know what? In the midst of all of that, they drug, got themselves up and they drugged them on maimed lambs over into the camp. They had to make the move or they would have sat there till they died. They had to move. There's no other option. They had to move towards the Syrian camp. And as they got there, to their amazement, they found when they got there, I love this. They're sitting here talking all this out, reasoning, sound like me, just reasoning all this stuff out. And while they're going... God's already over here in the camp and he's, he's put on a, a, a record that sounds like a humongous army of chariots and horses and soldiers coming towards them and got on a microphone right in the camp. And all they did was hear a noise and they began to run. They began to flee. They didn't even take 
the horses, their donkey. They didn't take nothing. They jumped up and fled. While they're over here, God's over here doing His work. Here's the question that I've got to ask you. Do you reckon God's already at work in our Sunday schools next week? And you tell me, listen, what you believe about this is the only hinge you ever been of it. See, I believe before we get to Sunday school next Sunday, God's going to be working in our Sunday schools. I believe that. If I didn't, I wouldn't move forward. I believe that. And we've got to believe that God can watch over and care for us. Do you believe that? Now, some of you say with this right here, but in your heart, you don't believe that. And what you're doing is you're sitting in the same place you was before this thing started. An unbelief. It's not that something's going to happen. But what if you get here in Sunday school and God shows up and does some of the greatest work that's ever been done? See, we have to realize for the Lord, for the Lord, I made the host of Syrians to hear uh, host the noise of chariots and noise of horses and even the noise of great host. That's all he did was a noise. But you see, don't miss this. Some of you are listening to the noise as well. Yeah, ten people to die of COVID. There's an outbreak here. Uh, ten more to hundred more people. Number CDC said this. CDC. I'm, I'm, I'm. You hear noise, and it's affecting you and your walk with God. There are noise. It's all they heard. They never saw an arrow. They never saw a chariot. They never saw a horse. They never saw a soldier. All they heard was a noise. Isn't it amazing? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Can I say this? If we believe God in our Bible as much as we believe our newscasts and CNN and people where we work and what Dr. Bottle Stopper said, if we believe God as much as we believe them, we turn the world upside down for the glory of God. They heard the noise. And the Bible says this. The Bible says, they have hired these other armies to come up against them. I love this. Don't miss this. What you hear determines your perception. But they said, we get into a group, we're going to get sick, we're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die. That's been a lie. CDC's proven it. The only number says it's life. It's what we hear determines our perception. Like the feller run out of gas, guys can. And he starts walking. I know he's going to know I'm out of gas. And I know he's going to know I need it. And I know when I get there, he's going to charge me double the price. And I know he's going to take advantage of me. So when he gets there, he reaches up and slugs the feller. 
You're not going to charge me too much for gas. His perception, his her perception that was dictated by what they heard. And may I say this? What did you hear from the Lord this week? Why can't we let our dictation be moved by what we hear from Him? Have you heard from Him this week? I come to the church, I had a totally different message to preach this morning. But I come to church last night and I heard from Him. And my heart was so moved by this message. And God said, this is your message. Have you heard from him? And so they fled. And isn't it amazing? They took nothing. Nothing. And now notice the picture. And when these lepers came into the uttermost part of the camp, they went in one tent. And you know what they've done? They gorged themselves. I mean, they jumped into that food. I mean, they cramming food in this front. They grabbing food. I'm just cramming, just cramming, just eating, just as fast as hard. They's drinking whatever they could get their hands on. And, and I mean, they're just gorging themselves. Then they seen all the goldens. They went, grabbed it all up, went outside, dug a hole, and buried it. I went into another tent. I saw the same thing. I got men. They were just gorging themselves in about that time when they said, we, we, we're not doing right. We're not doing well. Oh, we're not doing right. Don't miss this. God did a work in four lepers men for every did formation. God needs to do a work for you or you can't help your class. If God doesn't do a work for you, if He don't feed you, you're going there as hungry as the people you're teaching. Are you listening? God has to do something for you. God's got to feed you. These four leprous men had to be fed first before they could ever help a nation. Comes in and they get gorged in. And I love this. And notice the proportion of this miracle. And they said one to another, We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. Can I say this? Listen to me. Listen, listen. Do you get on Facebook and talk about it? if somebody gets sick? Shame on you. If you don't get on Facebook and talk about all the people, it's well. Your people come by some negative. Why would you start talking about Instead about the number being low, why don't we start talking about the great number we have? Why don't we start telling people about how great your God is not about how bad you've got it. In any place, we got so bad, we go to a home that we deserve, 
wear clothes better than we deserve, eat better than we deserve, and all we can do is complain about what we don't have, about what we think. Never place God what We ought to be thankful. I am just so thankful for this church. I'm thankful for you. All of you. Some of you it's hard to be thankful for. But I'm just thankful. I'm just thankful for you. I, I'm thankful for my wife. Nobody else. You can ask her. Nobody else in this world could put up no in this world could, could tolerate me. I, I mean, I'm, I'm hard to live with sometimes. Not much, but sometimes. But I, nobody can live. I'm thankful for my children. I'm thankful. These folks, it's, it's, we do not well this day's the day of good tidings. And we hold our peace. We tear, these, what, we tear it to morning. Some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come, we may go tell the king's household. Said, there's enough for everyone. Boy, this is a message. Plenty in a time of scarcity. Hope in a time of despair. Feasting in a time of famine. Thine power in the hour of spiritual darkness. God still, God. He had changed. I submit to you one of the greatest dangers of us is getting comfortable where we are. We must not seek comfort above God's will. We must not seek our pleasure above God's will. And we must not seek our own will above God's will. I told you I'm grateful to be the pastor of this church. I, I, I cannot believe I have the joy and the privilege in preaching. I didn't have to preach this morning. It's a joy to preach this morning. Do you know what God said, Pastor Jerry, not just Jerry, Pastor Jerry, I want you to go to Africa. And he made it real to me, like writing it in the sky box car letters ten times. Outlined. I want you to go to Africa. I'd go. I'd go. I wouldn't, I don't want to. But I'd resign and go. See, the reality is, I want to be what God wants me to be. As best I can. Wilbur Chapman went to William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army. He said, what is the secret of the hand of God upon your life? You know, the old grizzled warrior thought a while, and he looked at him and he said, I'll tell you what the secret of my life. God has all, God has all of William Booth there is to have. That's the secret. God has all of William Booth. See, the heartbreak of Christianity in America is this. We're content. Jeremiah 5, 30, wonderful, horrible things committed in the land. Prophets prophesy falsely. The priests bear rule by their means, and my people love to have it so. What will ye do in the end thereof? In other words, preachers are not preaching the truth. They're afraid to preach the truth. They're afraid a family will throw them out or whatever. 
They're afraid to preach the right, the truth, find out what God said. They're afraid. And here's what's sad. And the people love to have it so. You remember what God said to Sodom? Sin of Sodom went to homosexuality. Now listen to me. I want you to listen to what the sin, the sin of Sodom was and where it starts. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and her daughters. Neither she strength in the hand of the poor and the needy. The sin of Sodom was pride, fullness of bread, and idleness. When those things find a place, you could care less for anybody's help around you. Notice the misery of the land, the miracle of the Lord, but notice the message of the lepers. First of all, I want you to notice his unbelievable message. So they came and called to the porter of the city, told them, saying, We came to the camp of Syrians. Behold, there was no man there, neither the voice of man, but horses tied, asses tied in the tents as they were. He called the porters and they told it to the king's house within. Here's what they said. We walked into the city, the Syrian with the camp. He said, I'm telling you, it's a ghost town. He said, there's nobody, there's not a person in the, ever horses and, and all the donkeys is tied. Tables is all filled with food. The tents are all full. There's nothing, there's nothing missing. But every person, there's not a person, there's not a person alive in the camp. Wow! I love this king. You have to understand him. And the king rose in the night and said unto his servants, I will now show you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we're hungry. Therefore they've gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, When they come out to the sea, we will catch them alive and get into the city. It's a trick. He said it's a trick. The Syrians are hiding. But when you get in the need, you begin to think of all kinds of stuff. And your imagination begins to run wild. Can I just say this? It's amazing how much imagination runs wild without fact in our day. And imagination was running wild. It's a trick. And they said, listen, here's what we need to do. We'll send the crowd in. But we'll send them all. We'll just send the crowd in there. We'll find out what's true. Well, I like that. The king had enough wisdom. So let's find out what's truth. Church, why don't we find out what's truth? Here's what blows my mind. Here's what's blowing my mind today. When the CD said, said there's 185,000 people dying, you believed it. Now that same CDC says they were lying, they was wrong. They were about six or seven or eight thousand people and, and, and any death is, is a tragedy but the numbers less than one percent of the people actually died from COVID isn't it amazing you believe it one time but you don't believe it now it's amazing it's amazing I'm amazed at what we believe we need to find truth they said we got to find out truth now it's just an unbelievable message it was an urgent message and they said if we tarry the morning not some issue phone they got in a hurry now, there's, there's only one time God has shown has been in a hurry. 
in John 9, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. We are almost in that day right now. Doors of opportunity are open today that may not be open tomorrow. I love this story. A little boy, he, he, he lived in the living room in grandfather clock. And every time he would come to the hour, he would just count them off as they would ding. He just counted off. He just counted off. He would just count it off. One day the mechanism broke. Come 12, 13, 14, 15. He jumped up and said, Hey, Grandma, Grandma, it's later than it's ever been before. And that's the cry I have to. It's later than it's ever been before. It's a universal message. Notice the message got first to dirty, rotten, twisted lepers. They got it first. And then it was the porters. The porters were the servants. Isn't it amazing how God works? God went to poor, poor lepers first with the message. You know why? Because they'll believe it. He went to the porters. They believed it. And then it went to the king. And so we find God's so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believed in him shall not perish. But I've ever listened. What a story. Then last of all, it was the unheeded message. Elisha predicted it. There was one that did die. It wasn't the four leprous men. They asked the question, why sit we here till we die? But one did die. And he didn't die from starvation. He died because of unbelief. The great sin of the day is not that you're a sinner. It's unbelief. Because we're all trusting something. The great sin of our day is unbelief. And what killed him was his unbelief. Even God, even God can't do this. And Elisha said, you don't get to see it. But you're not going to get to partake of it. King goes out and sends a group of people. They walk in. They search up the tents. And he said, it's the truth. The people in the city ran. Just, just stampeded. And this right hand man of the king was stomped to death. Stampeded. And they run into the city. That man died. And I thought it was amazing. These four lepers started at the gate of the city saying, why sit we here till we die? And the only one to die that day, the only one that died that day was the one that had unbelief that controlled the heart. I, I want to wear out I might die of a heart attack. 
I, I might die from a lot of reasons. A stroke. I might kick the bucket for some of There's one thing I don't want to die. I don't want to die not believing in the God that saved me and the God that's, that's kept me and the God that's provided over and over again. Here this morning, the only one to die was the one with unbelief. Now I've got to ask a real tough question. Are you that one? And the only thing that will keep you in your, in your seat is you don't believe. And your pride, what will people think? They already know. You just don't know that they know. Your actions speak every time we open our mind. Our actions speak loudly. They already know. So I wouldn't worry about that. I just come to God. Or the fact you don't think you need God. And I'm telling you, we all need Him every day of our life. Every moment of our life. He's our hope. He's our strength. He's our shield. He's our buckler. That's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Here this morning.